Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisha Mazuz, and this is a show where I sit down with high-achieving and inspirational recruitment professionals across the globe. It's my job to deconstruct how they have accelerated their recruitment career and remained at the top of their game by uncovering their daily habits, mindset, approach to leadership, and much, much more. Now, I absolutely love receiving messages from all of you recruiters out there that listen to this podcast. And it was amazing to just hear how these conversations on this podcast have helped motivate you, have inspired you, and have just helped recruiters across the globe. I got a message this week from Stevie Haslam on Apple Podcasts, who said, from the caliber of the guests to the definitive questioning, from the content structure to the flow of ideas, Hisham absolutely nailed it with this podcast, hands down the most consistent and ultimately useful content in recruitment podcasting. Get listening to it now if you haven't already done so. Stevie, that means a lot and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm very confident this week will be no different and I'm excited for all of you to listen to today's episode and here's what's in store you know, your reputation will massively precede you. So integrity is key. Treating people like you would want to be treated if the, if the shoe was on the other foot. The shift um, that I don't think, you know, anyone can kind of prepare you for how, how different it is from looking after number one and uh, to, to go into growing a team. And, you know, it is going to have a knock-on effect and in terms of your results for a little while. It's that kind of short-term pain for long-term gain. In the quieter periods in lockdown, what really helped me was going back to basics and having a to-do list because there was those, you know, quiet times where no one knew quite what was going to happen with the industry and just ticking off those small little tasks throughout the day and, you know, chipping away mm. at that bigger end goal kind of kept me sane. If I was only noting the big wins over those kind of harder few weeks, then, I, of course, I would have felt like there was no wins, you know? So identifying the small wins, always celebrate the, the small wins, 100%. This podcast has evolved and is now called Recruitment Mentors. A big part of this is due to the new business I'm launching in November called Recruitment Mentors. So why am I launching this business? This has come from the complete belief that every hugely successful recruitment consultant has had help getting there. And if you're a recruiter that has the inner ambition and drive to be the best recruiter you can be, then you should have an unrestricted opportunity to better yourself in a professional, sustainable, and mindful way. Your development should not be limited by things you can't control, like your company's learning development budget, or your managers and leaders' time who you learn most from, or even your in-house L&D expertise. So how is Recruitment Mentors going to take away these potential limitations? Well, firstly, this learning development community will be completely exclusive to recruitment consultants who are focused on growth. So you will get access to like-minded recruiters on a similar path. But as a member of this community, you will get access to monthly learning development content that's inspiring, that's current, 
and actionable, which will empower you to progress your career and maximize your potential. But the most important part to this is that you will only learn from those that are on the tools today and from recruiters who have been successful in today's market, who will be acting as your mentors within this community, rather than learning from people who did recruitment five, 10, 15 years ago. We're launching this business and this community with a founding member launch, which is uh, being launched in November. That has been done. We had over 200 recruitment professionals put themselves forward to be the future ambassadors of this community. But we're working now towards our initial soft launch in December. And if you want to be part of something that will change the industry, then make sure you join the waiting list or connect with me on LinkedIn if you have any questions on how you can get involved. That's enough from me. Get back to the podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Gabby Trotter, who joined the recruitment industry when she was just 19 years old and for the last five years has worked at Searchability, recruiting the best testing talent in Yorkshire and the Northwest, and for the last two and a half years has also been responsible for a small team as well as billing. Gabby, thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So where I want to start this podcast uh, moving forward is, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you think make up a highly successful recruitment consultant? Good question. And I'm glad that you asked me this in advance because I had to have, you know, a serious think about this because (laughs) it's so hard to boil it down to, you know, one or two particular traits. And I think obviously it varies massively depending on what sector you operate in and what your role is, whether you're a manager or you're just looking after yourself. Um, But I kind of thought, you know, for me, what I look for when I recruit for my team, one of the, the biggest things I look for is someone who is organized and someone who has got the ability to have control of the day rather than let the day run away with them. Uh, I think a lot of this job is about being kind of in the right place at the right time. So organization is so important in terms of what you're doing during the day and just making sure that you don't miss opportunities. Uh, If someone says to me, call me in a month's time, you know, you best believe in a month's time exactly at 9am, I am calling them. I've set the reminder. There's no way that I'm going to forget about that because that's a golden nugget of opportunity. So organization and I think integrity is huge as well. I know that might be a bit controversial because I'm sure there's some recruiters out there that are are doing very well and maybe have questionable um, morals. (laughs) You know, for me, and especially if you work in a niche sector like I work in, you know, your reputation will massively precede you. So integrity is key. Treating people like you would want to be treated if if the shoe was on the other foot. That's my kind of two key things I look for. Everything else I think could be teached. I love that. And I think, uh, let's, I think the goal here is to make sure that integrity isn't controversial because I, I think yeah. that should, well, do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> In the recruitment industry, I think it should definitely mm. not be controversial, yeah. but I have to ask you before we dig into your, your journey, mm. how do you, so how do you look for organization in an interview? of interest besides yeah. I don't know, just turn up on time, doing all those things. Like how, how do you look for that in someone? 
I think you have to ask the right questions. So if someone has been in a retail or a sales role before, asking them how they would manage their day, what targets they had to work to during the day and how they made sure they hit those. Um, if someone's fresh out of uni, that's great because I feel you can really gauge um, someone's level of organisation by just talking to them about, you know, how did you manage your time in uni? How did you find um, kind of the pressure of moving from that school environment where everything is almost um, kind of forced? You, you have to attend lessons, whereas in university, you know, it is a little bit more optional. How did you find that switch? And were you able to kind of motivate yourself to actually be proactive um, whilst you were there? So there's just a few different kind of leading questions that I think you can ask people to to get a gauge um, and I think by showing how someone approaches an interview and how much prep they've done and if they show up on time and you know were, <laughs> were they aware of you know exactly who you were and the company was before the interview that's all just really good signs of someone that's you know organized and has that proactive approach. Yeah awesome I like it so as I said in the introduction for the last two and a half years you've been on a, a sort of um, not just a you, you you haven't just been focused on yourself but you've had other people to be responsible for yeah. So we'll definitely dig into that. But how would you describe your first year in recruitment? A bit of a whirlwind, I would say. Uh, I was obviously pretty much fresh out of school. I had a couple of jobs, um, you know, working in Topshop, like a call centre job before, but I'd never really properly been in the working world, in an office, working, you know, long hours at the start. It was definitely a shock to the system. And, you know, I would be lying if I said in that first few months, I didn't think about just packing it all in and going back to Topshop about 100 <laughs> times. Um, but I also found it very kind of intriguing and inspiring seeing these people around me who were seemingly, you know, normal people, really down to earth. But then you would see, obviously, these deals going on the board. Everyone would talk about their commission and their payment. <laughs> Because I didn't know anyone that had ever worked in recruitment. And I just thought, God, this is unbelievable. How did no one ever tell me about this before? You know, this is such an exciting place to work. And there's so much opportunity here. So it was a real eye opener. But it was it was tough that first year because I was very nervous when I started. And I was quite naive. You know, I didn't really have much of a phone manner or, you know, know how to deal with people just simply not wanting anything to do with me. So there was definitely a few, you know, kind of tear-jerking moments on the phone <laughs> really didn't want to talk to me but yeah that skin had to come in quite quickly and I'm, I worked with some really great people at the start of my recruitment career as well some really great mentors within the business so that helped a lot. So let, let's talk about very quickly what was looking back what was your biggest challenge in that first year would you say so you mentioned there obviously d dealing with difficult conversations that you probably haven't mm. had to do before but if you were to pinpoint it what was the sort of biggest hurdle or most common hurdle that you had to overcome that then maybe helped you progress or accelerate your career do you think I think just overall confidence was the biggest mm. thing for me just building up the the confidence and being self-assured in myself to to say you know I do know what I'm talking about and this person should want to talk to me because I can actually give them a genuine opportunity here to, to further their, their career and you know I'm not wasting anyone's time I, I am a useful kind of addition to this team so it was definitely the confidence for me and making sure that 
I didn't kind of shy away from asking those difficult questions and, you know, asking within the business, can I take on a bit more responsibility? You know, what, what's the next step for me? I think at the start, it was all such a whirlwind and every day was so busy that I never really stopped and thought, well, how do I become like that really successful person over there? You know, that felt like a million miles away. So just building up that confidence to be kind of ready to, to really push forward and, and progress in the company. And do you think that confidence comes from Gabby doing deals or can you, can you cultivate that confidence in, in different areas, do you think? Because I'm sure that's the confidence you've probably had to cultivate in your, in your guys, right? So yeah. do, you think that, do you think that just comes from Gabby walking up to the deal board, ringing the bell, whatever you do over there? Like, do you think it just comes from that or I don't know, what, what do you think? So I had, I suppose, quite a slow start, you would say, possibly to my recruitment career. You know, I didn't kind of start and get up and running and on the board within a matter of months. I was, you know, a bit of a slower burner and I did um, sit alongside a couple of people and resource for them for quite a while before I took that leap to to start the testing market and go on the board as a full consultant. So success for me was initially number one, actually starting to understand what I was talking about and, and get my head around the market and how um, everything kind of slotted together from a tech point of view. And also it was just feeling like I was starting to get kind of welcomed into the community because I've always done that that same patch, that Yorkshire, Northwest area and just building meaningful relationships with people online. Like I was so passionate and interested about the social media side of things and joining communities and once that started falling into place and other people who had maybe been doing recruitment for three years were asking my advice on how to engage people on social media that gave me you know such a boost okay how long did it take to do your first deal then so if you were a slow starter interested yeah so I'm trying to think how long I was there for I was probably there for nearly a year before I actually went up on the board but once I really? got on board, yeah, I was I was super confident at that point, and it, it snowballed from there. So I think I see people go on the board quicker, and they kind of learn whilst on the board. Whereas I felt like I knew the job inside out, went on the board, right. and I kind of hit the ground running with it. So I think I think I went on the board and maybe did my first deal within the first week, and did yeah. kind of four deals in my first month, and it all continued from yeah, there. Yeah, no, it just continued from there. Yeah a slow burner at the start so I, right, let, I could do it <laughs> yeah so like why didn't you quit then because a year's a year's a long time I've had people on here before that they didn't make a placement and you, you you're not there for the base salary right and, and I'm no. sure everyone and you you recognize that from people around you but why didn't you quit I think it's because I knew I, I knew that I was doing a good job. I wasn't necessarily, you know, a fully fledged consultant at that point, but I was a very, very successful resourcer. Um, you know, the company was very happy with how I was doing. I was getting involved in a lot of training for the new people joining the business and around social media. So I felt fulfilled, but it just didn't kind of click for me that if these people are doing it and why can't you do it? You are just as good as these people. And, you know, you're getting irate because you're seeing them earn double the amount you're earning, but you're the <laughs> only one in your own way. The company wants to support you. You know, you can do it, but it was just me taking that leap of faith. So I would say I, I didn't quit because no one was holding me back apart from myself. You know, the job and the company was great, but it was just having that confidence to make that jump to the next level. Love that. And then final thing on your first year then, what, what was the the best? Like you mentioned, mentors. You mentioned surrounded by good people. 
what what was the best piece of advice you that you received in that first year do you think oh that is a good question I think one of the things that searchability is is great for, and I know that a lot of companies might say that they do this, but they are hyper aware of how important reputation is. And they're hyper aware of the fact that if you do it right from day one and you're not there for the quick win, you're there for the long term goal, then you're going to reap the rewards down the line. So it was always just making sure that every every role, every kind of nibble of a role that we got, you know, we were giving it our full attention and working it to the best of our ability. So it was just making sure that you viewed every opportunity as a long-term opportunity. You know, there's no such thing really as a quick win. I love that. So basically, do you, so basically advice is, or what you was really mindful of was, which has obviously helped is do not basically just the real importance of your reputation. In, yeah. in your market yeah yeah 100%, okay yeah awesome so right so going into your second year then so this is when obviously things started snowballing definitely keen to dig in uh with you on the social media and stuff like that yeah. on your journey with that so just to help me and help people listening so context is so did you then what so obviously you recruit in the testing market from what i understand yeah so right. going into this second year was that then where, what was you building out from scratch or was you then like a 360 consultant so you're doing clients and delivery? Just give me contacts there and then we can dig into sort of your journey and learning. Of course. So we originally had no one focusing on testing within the business. Everyone who did development did development and testing. So I was ready to take that leap, ready to be a consultant and I'd been kind of teed up to take up on development in a different patch. However, because I had already invested this year into this particular location and market and I felt I'd really embedded myself, I pulled together a little bit of kind of a sales pitch um, for the directors and said, look, I know you want me to do this, but I really, really think if you back me and you let me just do testing in these locations, I will make more than if you put me on development there. And they, they were unsure because, you know, there was no blueprint to go off. They'd not kind of had anyone covering testing before and you know I think testing sometimes wrongly can be perceived as developments you know a less attractive younger sister and it was just not really something that had been touched upon but I, I knew that there was a gap in the market and I really did know that I would be able to maximize on that so, so that's how testing came about and how I kind of moved onto that patch and it was pretty much starting from scratch to be honest. So so keen to dig into this because it's one of the sort of popular questions I get, Gabby, from recruiters on mm. would love you to speak to people on how they've approached building a desk from scratch. Yeah. But I think what will help with that is tell us what was in that business plan or like the core sort of fundamentals of it, because I think that's really interesting. right? I love the fact that you took the initiative to go, hey, guys, I know you want this for me, but this is why I think I should focus on this. Absolutely yeah. love that. What, what, was, what made up that business plan that gave you the confidence, obviously, and... Yeah. What did that look like out of interest? So what I pulled together was the testing roles that I had already personally. I know I hadn't kind of brought the clients on board, but worked and resourced when I was working um, as a resourcer. What those placements equated to value wise and then dug into the clients that we already had. Do they recruit and test? If so, how often? How big is their testing team? Kind of market mapping who we were already working with. 
And then on top of that, identifying the the key players within testing recruitment that we didn't currently work with, but who would be on my hit list, if you will. So weighing up what we already have that we can kind of exploit and maximize on and where I'd be targeting moving forward. Love that. How did you go about it then? How, how did you go? So obviously, so what's interesting there is, you, so you had clients that you could go after, but just really focus yeah. and be like, hey, I'm Gabby, obviously such ability works with you, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the testing person. I, I'm just going to focus on that. If you have testing requirements or testing, obviously people that you need on, on the person. But so, yeah, how, how did that look then? What was the plan to, to get in front of your, your target list, which no doubt recruiters will have their own target list? Mm-hmm. How did it go? How did you approach it? So it was, it was as you said there, obviously, you know, the, the key thing is is always making the introduction. And I would say that I am not a pushy person. Um, that's not really <laughs> my approach. I, I do take the softer approach and I certainly take the approach of um, getting to know people over time before kind of dropping in. Can I work with you straight away? So in the early days, I was just having a lot of conversations with people who I knew in the back of my mind, you know, you're someone that could be really valuable for me as a connection. But initially, just having a chat to them about what they do, explaining that I was focusing on testing full time, you know, can they talk me through a few things that would be important for me to know. So then at the point where the conversation was warm, I, I could then drop in at that point, look, you know, I, I'm really serious about this. You've given me a lot of useful advice. Who am I best speaking to at your company? To, to get a shot at this and, and just really using that network. Um, so, so you lent on candidates? Yeah, lent on candidates a lot. I mean, I'm, I've never been afraid to, to ring someone and say, you know, c- can you just do me a massive favor? You know, I, I won't bring your name into it, but who do I need? To <laughs> Have you got an email address? Have you got a number? I promise I won't tell them how I got it. But people, people generally in their heart, and I like to think are good and, you know, they want to see people succeed as long as you are... I would say you don't want to bleed your network dry. It's it's a two-way street. So at the start, I was doing a lot of blogs and anything I could do to engage with people to then be able to ask them, you know, at a later date, the recruitment question is what I was trying to do in inventive ways. Yeah, nice. So so what would you say was the sort of most effective method for you then in growing your client network, would you say? I think that it was definitely... I'm not naive to say that it didn't help that we already had some good clients on board that I had worked roles for and impressed already. And again, just had that very open and honest conversation with them and said, I am starting a new market here. A recommendation from you would be worth its weight in gold with other key players in and around the area. Is that something you'd be happy to pull together? And I think that just really strengthened when I was kind of hitting the phones hard and, you know, sending out these introductory emails just to make it a little bit more real um, and less of a blanket approach when I'm actually, you know, connecting it with real life recommendations and referrals. Yeah. So, so the real quick thing on that. So we all, you always hear about referrals, don't you, in mm. training recommendations. So like just, just to sort of finalize that, like what would you say are the benefits of getting referrals? And like in your opinion, what, what is the best way of getting them or approaching it so you just mentioned emails there but like just your experience in that because you hear that a lot don't you but yeah. like what would you say the main benefits and also the best way that you, you think is to go about get getting them yeah so it's something again the, the searchability ethos is that's always been something that we have pushed for um, back in the day, it used to be all about the, the kind of LinkedIn recommendations. Um, right now, our kind of big focus is Trustpilot. 
So that has always been something that's kind of been hammered home from day one is, you know, don't ask, don't get. No one's going to write you. You could be the greatest recruiter in the world. No one's going to off their own back at home at night sit and think, I'm going to write Gabby at searchability. And <laughs> you know, you need to push for these things and say, I know what I've done for you. So, so there's this, this and this, and we place this and this. I, I can kind of almost pull it together for you. I just need you to give it the green light and just say, you know, I seal this with approval. She she knows what she's talking about. And I would say, you know, give her a chance because she's done a great job of filling our vacancies. So just being a bit cheeky with that, I think. Okay, nice. So you mentioned um, what I was just then keen to ask you was, you know, you're talking about basically adding value um, but at the back of your head, knowing that that is someone that could obviously be a great relationship to form, like recruiters are typically or can be typically sort of um, be known as impatient, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why sometimes people do find it hard to think about marketing themselves or whatever, because they'd rather just call someone and, and try and, I don't know, agree fees or whatever. Yeah. So how long, like, so talking about that period of giving value, obviously you've got the existing relationships, but if we focus on you expanding your new, new clients in that second year yeah. with that approach, how, how, how long is that timeline, do you think, would you say, realistically, if you really approach it with giving value, if that's sharing content, if that's, um, yeah, trying to speak to people, like, how long is that timeline, do you think, of getting to know someone, building relationships to, you know what, Gabby, yeah, can you help us, would you say? Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's something that when you grow a team, you have to think about because obviously you need wins early doors and you need fees coming in early doors. You can create this brand in the background, but it's got to be combined with just sheer perseverance, knocking on doors and, you know, getting getting relationships in place. So alongside all of that slower burner, of course, was all of the usual, you know, getting on the phone as much as possible and dropping through as much content as possible. So I would say that's probably how I did the first handful of deals whilst the kind of softer thing skills was going on in the background. And I would say that probably took at least at least six months for it to get to the point where I think, you know, people actually are starting to recognize me a little bit here and, you know, understand that I'm kind of this testing recruiter in Yorkshire. And I, I think it's always a good way to kind of see how you're perceived when you start getting through those emails from the rival agencies in the area saying, Oh, you know, a client mentioned you the other day and <laughs> taking this particular area by storm. And I think that's when you know that, you know, words getting around and the approach is working, but it's got to be paired with just the classic, you know, just, yeah. Being proactive. Yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. So, so just on that then, if I'm listening and I'm going through that process at the moment of building out a new market or whatever, mm-hmm. like, how how long would you like I guess how long would you sort of say to them like really stick it out for this period to see if you get some solid traction like how long did it take you then would you say was it like this sort of more six months six months doing all those things I would say it's six months I think the first six months for anyone in recruitment are probably the hardest I mean the first year is probably you know the the hardest (laughs) It, it takes a while for this job to click and consistency is is one of the hardest things to get in the world of recruitment but I would say if you're hitting that six month mark of building a new desk and building a personal brand and you feel like you're still getting nowhere, I would say that perhaps something is amiss, whether or not you've maybe not picked the right market or whether you think that you're getting your um, presence out in front of the right people, but you're simply just you know, missing them completely. If you're really investing into it and really, um, you know, 
working super hard throughout that six months then I would say that that's the point where you kind of need to take stock and, and be seeing a bit of um kind of result back off your hard work yeah nice I like that so how how did you um how did you finish billing wise in that year focusing out a, a complete desk you know what did you do that, that? Is a great question I'm trying to think off the top of my head I think it was about 190 which I was okay. pretty happy with for the first full year on the board yeah, yeah, nice. That's awesome. And is it all perm, yeah, that you do? All perm, yeah. So we're, we're not dual desk. We've got a completely separate contract team at Searchabilities. So yeah, all permanent. Awesome. So then, obviously, and then was it another year of building on what you built before you started, obviously, yeah, looking at or growing your team, building even more credibility, getting your name in the market, et cetera, yeah? Yeah, it was. That second year, again, was just building up further consistency. I think it was must have been, you know, towards the back end of, of that that we started really thinking about the fact that there was there was quite a lot of business coming in and I was perhaps starting to get spread a little bit thin and it would make sense to, to start growing out this test team now. That was always the long-term vision that, we, you know, I want to start the testing team for it to one day to be as big as the dev team at Searchability and, you know, rival that team. Love that. So you've mentioned branding quite a few times. Yeah. Let, let's let's talk about this, right? It's it's definitely become more and more obviously that that's what um I've helped recruiters with in the last sort of year and a half. So I'd love to just sort of get your take on it and and sort of I guess it's something now that you encourage your team to do. And it's clearly something that you've become known for in searchability. Even obviously I saw that you're doing events talking about it for the testing market. So how would you define a person like building a personal brand as a recruiter? Like, firstly, like what when we say this phrase personal branding, like what does it mean mm. to you? So a personal brand for me, I would say a personal brand is not just the roles that you've got on at the moment or what you're doing any given month. Your personal brand proceeds that. So that is just something that is always kind of ever present in the background. So despite where everything else is up to my personal brand would hopefully, you know, always precede that. And that's just being known as, you know, a testing recruiter, but also being known as someone that, you know, you can genuinely have a conversation with. And I am someone that is quite approachable on social media. And I talk a lot about a lot of things that are completely unrelated to work and unrelated to testing. Um, but I think it's just helps you to be seen as a person as opposed to a recruiter or as opposed to a member of whatever agency you belong to that's kind of helping you shape out just your individuality within the market and that's that so like human first yeah and then exactly. a recruiter right which, which obviously yeah. helps <laughs> so okay so like okay there'll probably be a lot of listening if if, Pete, mm. if recruiters listen to this podcast they, they probably know this is important right so what I've seen is the number one challenge as to why people don't start is like, I'll say to you, Gabby, I know it's important, but mm. what the hell do I talk about? Yeah. Like, what do I create content about? Right. So what, what's your go-to advice? If I'm a recruiter listening or someone in your team, I'm going, Gabby, right. I want to, I want to build my brand like you da, da, da. Like, what are you telling me to help me start? Okay. Yeah. I would say initially, creating content can be daunting if you're talking about creating original content and I think everyone automatically thinks okay so I need to start a podcast or I need to <laughs> blog or I need to run an event and I think people try to run before they can walk so mm. all you have to do to get started is you don't even have to create your own content you can just share other people's relevant content 
or add your take to it uh, or pose a question. So I would say don't just share an article. You know, you might as well do nothing if you're literally just clicking share from BBC Tech News, adding nothing else to it. Just actually read the article, understand it and just pop on your key takeaway on there or, you know, pose a question that's brought up in the article to get the conversation going. So if you don't have that confidence yet or you're unsure what to put out there, that's a great place to start. And I think these recruiters who want to kind of set up events, I keep going back to the event space because that seems to be the popular thing to do at the moment before even understanding already what events are out there that are already being ran by, you know, grassroots people in the community. Why not just get ask them a few questions, ask if you can come along, ask if you can sponsor it. I think otherwise it, it's clear that you're you're starting this event because you just want an easy way to find candidates and it's all about personal gain so it's just making sure that you are adding value and again not just kind of bleeding that that network dry yeah I love that and and yeah definitely don't like you don't want to go in blind do you if you're no. trying to facilitate um events so what mm. what would be then your number one tip to stand out in a crowded marketplace and really set yourself apart from the competition because this obviously ties into it, but I'd love to get your take on that because particularly if you're listening to this like yourself, you're a recruiter in tech. Yeah. There's a lot of you. <laughs> I don't know how many, I don't know how many of you there are in Yorkshire, but there is a lot of tech recruiters. So, but this, this is relevant for any, any recruiter, any market, because there, there, there's, there's thousands of recruiters, right? But what, what's like, what's your number one tip for recruiters to stand out? What comes up for you? So I'd say number one tip is, depending on what your niche is and what your market is, find out where do the people in that market hang out? What, what events do they go to? What platforms are they on? Are they on Slack? Are they on Twitter? Is there a Facebook group? And, and, Put yourself into that group, hold your hands up and say, look, I'm a recruiter, but I'm really genuinely just here to learn more about my market because I want to be good at my job and I don't want to piss people off every day. <laughs> I'm having no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm going to you know, be vulnerable and honest and put myself out there and say, I would love your help to be better at my job and just find out where are these people and how do I put myself in front of them? And it comes back to integrity, doesn't it? Mm. Because if you don't mean that, yeah, you'll get found out. <laughs> Simple as that. So um, what I wanted to ask you, and this is an interesting uh, question that someone sent me, which ties into this. So because yeah. you've spoken about events, getting involved with your network and community. And I think this is might be a bit specific to tech, but I think also in a lot of other sectors. Yeah. What do you think is the return of... Um, return on investment or spending time really learning the skills that you recruit for. So I've seen it in a few different places where tech recruiters now are going, we code, we yeah. learn, we, we, we've learned, we've learned how to code, which means we can recruit better. Yeah. <laughs> I understand it. And I think that's great. But what's your opinion on, yeah, return on investment of time learning that those skills and really embedding yourself and understanding what testers do yeah over getting really good on the recruitment side right obviously these go hand in hand yeah. but like what 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 do you think yeah i think it, it's a very fine balance between having enough knowledge that you you don't make a fool of yourself on the phone and people feel like you you care enough about what they do in their market 
but I also think that it can be perceived from a lot of these kind of technical groups I'm in and a lot of the things that I kind of are privy to behind the scenes that a lot of it is kind of um, considered a little bit insincere when you do see people saying, you know, I've learned to code or if in testing, for example, I've done my ISTQB. I, I quite often say to people on the phone, oh, I've literally never heard of that tool before. Can you tell me a bit about it? I'd love to know uh, a little bit of context because it's something that, that has never come up. I'd much rather do that than sit there and try and blag it and pretend I think I've got good knowledge around testing. You know, I've been recruiting for it for five years, but there's still a lot of stuff that I don't know and that goes over my head. And I'm just quite honest about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that. And I think um, what one of the sort of second biggest challenge that I get from recruiters tying into sort of content, which is relevant to this, is mm. especially in the in the sort of technical world where people would be uh, really concerned or worried about talking about something quite text specific specific because they're like oh my god like I don't know how I'm not as competent as these people but I think it of course it's going to help with context and I guess relating when you're speaking to people but you don't get paid to do what they do so you're you're never going to be as competent as them should you be curious about it should you learn for sure but that isn't your job as a recruiter right what you need to be an absolute expert in is who's the best in the market who are the best employers and what do they offer or why that person's the best in the market etc do you get what i mean and that like that's what you're going to be an expert in so yeah being honest and going oh that's interesting tell me about it um you have every right to um yeah so so that makes sense (laughs) and you know what the the perfect example is that the ministry of testing event where i did my personal brand talk Every other speaker at that event was a tester and every other talk was technical and they never would have invited me to do a technical testing talk because it would have been an absolute shambles. It would have been a mockery (laughs) and no one would have cared. So the fact that I, you know, say, well, I don't know anything, you know, about that enough to, to give a talk. But what I do know about is personal brand. And I know that's useful across all industries. How about that? Would it would it be of interest to have something a little bit different? And you know, it went down really well. So I think recognizing where you add value. Yeah, exactly. And you know, post content around um, interview tips, CV tips. You know, just talk about what you know. There's enough people out there pretending to know about things and, and talking nonsense. Don't add to the noise. Just stick to what you know. Awesome. So quick one on that. I reckon there might be a lot of your competitors going. How did Gabby get to do a talk? <laughs> at that event right so how did you achieve that I know it wasn't just from one act or you doing one thing clearly this is something that you've been passionate about and sort of been involved in doing from the very beginning of your recruitment career but what how do you think you was able so one clearly what we just discussed you got invited or you had the opportunity to because you recognize where you could potentially add value to their audience which is obviously a factor but what else do you think contribute you to getting that opportunity so i think it's all about the chain of events so if i really go back and break it down there was a testing event in leeds i think two years ago that i went along to and sponsored and i met a lot of kind of prevalent people in the speaker community I was then invited to speak at that event the next year, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um, But because of that, that led to me being invited to do the the same talk. It's all been the personal brand talk internally at Sage for their internal testing conference. And that was just, 
you know, just something something to do off my own back and something that I was invited to do. Uh, and then once I saw the opportunity to speak at Ministry of Tests, and, you know, this was a serious gig, uh, people get paid to do this. And I thought, you know, there's no way I can do that. But it was actually um, John from Sage. He said to me, your talk was was really, really good. Just put yourself forward. Everyone knows who you are at Ministry of Testing because you're constantly talking to them on Twitter <laughs> and you're on all their groups and you talk to all of us. So we'll all back you. And that's how it came about, really. So just the long term gain in the background, as I say, of just being involved in stuff over the years. And again, I suppose you could class that as, you know, a strong personal recommendation from someone in the industry kind of pushing me forward. And it's so nice. I've never worked with him. I've never placed him. I've never recruited for Sage. But he's just a really nice guy from the community that I get along with. So it's just one of those genuine connections. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So let, let's talk about Gabby's leadership journey mm-hmm. then and management because that's a whole different ballgame, right? Yeah. So what, So obviously, clearly you wanted to grow this team. Batch yourself to build out this desk, which you did. Actually, just quickly, actually, for context, because I think it's interesting. Yeah. What do you remember what you then did you want remember what you then built um, built on? And obviously did 190K in that first year, building that out pretty much from scratch. What did you then do the next year? Do you know? So I think the way I had kind of like a half year and then a full year Got and then another full year. I'm trying to remember like uh, the five years that I've done. It's okay. I know that there was the the 190 and then I think that I broke about 220 and then last year was that kind of best year ever and I did 280 last year. Obviously. Amazing. Things are a bit crazy this year. <laughs> now, like maybe not talk about that, but yeah, last year was kind of a you know a really big personal achievement. Awesome. No, I just I just wanted to highlight that because I think again, more if more recruiters enter the industry with that long term mindset, like you mm. have, you've then yeah. like do you know what I mean? That's that's what you can build on, and that's when you yeah. can really start reaping the rewards of your hard work. So, how long have you? So obviously, just for context, then. So you currently, how big is your team currently? So at the moment, it is myself and two other consultants that are on the board with the view we're interviewing at the moment for someone else to join again in that resource or capacity with view to go up to consultants. So we're a fully established team of three consultants on tests. Awesome. So let's just think about it as a, as a whole then. Like what, if you look back, like right, obviously I know you're still in it, but like what were the sort of... Um, biggest challenges for you then when you started having to be not just responsible for yourself but responsible for uh another human being (laughs) (laughs) and them doing well like what what was what was really difficult for you at first it's such a shift um that I don't think you know anyone can kind of prepare you for how how different it is from looking after number one and to to go into growing a team and you know it is going to have a knock-on effect in terms of your results for a little while it's that kind of short-term pain for long-term gain you want to build your team but in those early days where there's you know a question a minute it really takes you away from your goal and your focus so I think just learning how to run my day and be organized again with another person alongside me um, and just learning as well to to be a manager and and how to kind of have responsibility for someone else I was still you know, only in, in my very early 20s. And it was quite novel interviewing some of these people in their mid-30s and then probably thinking, this person's going to manage me. I've been working for 10 years and, you know, she's practically fresh out of school. So I think just 
getting into my head that I am a worthy manager and I know what I'm doing and I, I'm very good at my job so you need to listen to me and I've got some some good knowledge for you so just making that shift um into a manager is always something that I think people initially find hard but you've just got to find your feet and your confidence with that awesome so let's talk because I think that's a real common thing in terms of maximizing and managing your day where you've given yourself enough space and time to do what you need to 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 achieve what you need to personally but and then also make sure you've got enough time to support personal persons so how because I'm sure this is something you've had to get even better at during COVID now right so what do like how have you got better at managing your time do you have sort of set times where Gabby can be contacted spoken to and do it like that or what's the typical structure of sort of Gabby the the bidding manager So we tend to every week on a Monday have a weekly meeting where we'll run through kind of what chances have you got on the go this week? Where will you be targeting? And just, you know, a general catch up as to where everything is up to. Uh, And I I tend to kind of expect that everything kind of gets laid out on the table at that point. You know, you're not then going to be needing to have a chat half an hour later about something. You know, that is our catch up to set us in play because Mondays are a really busy day. But I've always kind of kept the approach that I want to be really really approachable I don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't ask me a question or that anything's a stupid question I'd rather someone ask me you know the the simplest question than sit there all day wondering you know whether they should do something or not you know that's not a good use of anyone's time so I wouldn't say that I'm ever on kind of full do not disturb modes um I think you can always kind of you know let me know if you've got a question and it's it's easier in the office because it's it takes one second you have a quick chat and you get back to what you're doing it's harder from home because it's a team's call or it's a phone call yeah you got to book it in your diary eating today a lot more so I think I've got plenty of tolerance for people asking me a question what I, I can't really tolerate is getting the same question over and over and over again and that's why I like organized people because I like it when I show someone something once they make notes and then they don't need to ask me again so mm. I think it's that balance of being approachable, but don't yeah. take uh, too much from that. It's just funny you saying that because uh, <laughs> I can just relate. My So my girlfriend has a real issue with me because um, she'll show me how to cook something with a recipe once and then I don't <laughs> I don't remember how to do it the second time. I have to yeah. ask. <laughs> and she absolutely hates it. So I can definitely get where, where you're getting at that. So... Something that I think also is part of this journey, which whenever I've spoken to people about is like, how have you got better at sort of getting the best out of your team? Because I'm sure that's something that you've really had to um, have in place during this COVID period as well, when you're not all together, whatever. But what's been your journey with that? Like, how have you, what have you worked out or learned along the way that has helped you get the most out of your team? So I think it's really, truly understanding what motivates that individual. Are they, like, I think, you know, we're all money motivated if you're in recruitment, let's cut to the chase. But some people are more so money motivated than others. Some people really crave that recognition that if they do something well, you know, they want the praise. Others don't care about the praise as long as they're making the money. So it's finding what each person really kind of desires and making sure that my management style reflects that. So if it is the money side of things, you know, making a massive deal of, you know, where they're up to with their billings and updating it all the time and kind of having that visual whiteboard of where it's up to, or if they are someone that really 
gets a lot back from from having the praise and recognition just making sure that you know that their wins are shouted up and I'm, I'm telling my higher ups and the directors and just making sure that I'm really complimentary so just truly understanding what drives people because it varies massively depending on who you're dealing with yeah and this is this has come up a lot Gabby so how have you how have you gone about getting curious around that and finding that out truly do you know what I mean because yeah yeah someone can say to you I'm motivated by this but are they so like yeah. do you know what I mean so like how have you how have you found that out sometimes. yeah that's what I mean it's like yes Gabby I'm motivated by money I'm, I'm I want to buy a house all these things that's like the go-to isn't it so it's mm. just like yeah I want to buy a house da, 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 but what how have you sort of got yeah how have you got curious about really finding out what drives these people that I know I can sort of push on or make sure I'm doing that hopefully can really make sure that they're performing yeah I think I'm really really lucky with my team because we we are so close and you know we are you know we have that real sense of identity we're team testing in the business and we very much stick together so you know I speak to them a lot and I do get to know a lot of what they are doing in their personal lives and what is important to them beyond just what they think is the right kind of generic answer so so that helps massively um and I think just understanding them as a person helps as well so understanding are you someone who likes a lot of close management do you want me to you know sit alongside you and really work with you closely or do you learn more by being set off to do it on your own and then you know fight or flight you know if you fail you fail but at least you gave it a go so as well as understanding those motivations it's understanding as well how people best want to be managed and how they best want to be trained and I think you can only really do that with spending a decent amount of time with someone and getting to know them. You know, you think you know people in interview and then they can start and they can be <laughs> very, very different, you know, in good yeah. and bad ways. So you've just got to put a bit of time in, I think, in that initial period to make it work long term. Awesome. So let's talk about, before we get to sort of the end of this, let's talk about uh, mindset, Gabby. Super yeah. important. Always typically um, is the answer when people say that's the difference between a great recruiter and a, mm. a top, top, top recruiter. No doubt this is something that you've had to really sort of um, try and maintain, um, yeah, have a st- strong, resilient mindset during this COVID period as well. I know I, <laughs> I've had to and a lot of people will, but sort of what for you, what have you done? Obviously over the last five years, I'm sure there's things that you do maybe or on a weekly basis, daily basis or things that you've learned that really help you have the best give you the that give you the best possible chance of having like more great days than bad mm-hmm. days right because as you all know this is formerly called recruitment roller coaster that's because there's just massive highs and massive lows right oh yeah so what what do you do what are your like non-negotiables when it comes to like right i need i need to do this so then i'm sort of best equipped to have the best mm-hmm. chance of having more good days yeah no i i love that it was called recruitment roller coaster because it is so true and I think sometimes you have to lean into those. So if you're on a high and things are going well, do not take that for granted. Lean into it and appreciate how, you know, how well you're working because it can, you know, turn so quickly. When things are bad, though, I think it took me a while. You know, it did hit me hard in the early days. I took it very, very personally. You know, <laughs> someone ghosted me or they didn't turn up to an interview. But 
over time I have hardened up against that and I've stopped beating myself up about it because ultimately we work with people and people have their own minds and you know who knows what going on behind the scenes and you can't feel bad some mistakes or you know some things that happen are just way out of your control so just learning to to breathe and let it go so you can reset and you know keep going and I do try and it is impossible but I do try and have you know a bit of downtime in the evenings and and turn that kind of work phone off it'll go to a gym class my boyfriend also works in recruitment uh, really so it's not always easy you know it's very easy <laughs> work, but you've got to you know take a breather and holidays for me is such a big thing which is why this year has been very very tough um but yeah just leaning into those highs and really enjoy it when they last and you know just trying to grow a thick skin with those bad times and realize yeah. that some things are way beyond your control and you've just got to breathe and let them go. And what what's what's really helped you over the last sort of six months or so? Obviously, I haven't got the holidays yeah. um, <laughs> to to get that out, out of your system. Like what what's personally helped you over the last sort of six or so months? I think that, you know, sometimes in life you, you need things to slow down. And I'm someone that when I'm in the moment and everything's moving so fast that I don't really stop and think about it. So, you know, I'd be going to three different meetups a week and I'd be driving to Leeds, Manchester, Chester, back, and it would be nonstop. So it was actually quite nice to just have some forced time at home that was just very much, you know, a lower key lifestyle for a little bit. And I think that 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 did help and just having more time to myself um but again more time to, to think about things and think about the negative things so just again just trying to to do a bit of exercising to keep my mind off it helped me massively in lockdown so just just been just been appreciative of how often do I get time to yeah relax or like yeah not not go 110 miles an hour speed back up again before I even knew it you know you're back to I know it's not quite back to normal yet but things are a lot more busy than they were yeah. months ago. so before you know it life's back to the craziness so maybe just enjoy the downtime a little bit I suppose yeah be, be present mm. but it's hard but what yeah. so final thing on that then like what what's been if I said to you like what's been the sort of best advice that you've received that's helped you mentally like you mentioned around leaning you've mentioned about take a breather but like what what's what advice have you received along the way that's really helped you manage mentally and and have more resilience would you say just overall in recruitment or in lockdown specifically either or just whatever comes up for you I think I suppose across across both ways it works but in in the quieter periods in lockdown what really helped me was going back to basics and having a to-do list because there was those you know quiet times where no one knew quite what was going to happen with the industry and just ticking off those small little tasks throughout the day and you know chipping away Mm. at that bigger end goal kind of kept me sane if I was only noting the big wins over those kind of harder few weeks then of course I would have felt like there was no wins you know so identifying the small wins always celebrate the the small wins 100% love that so I, I promise someone that listens to this podcast that the next time that and I always do this now this won't be this year but the next time they said to me the next time someone says when someone says back to basics, can you please ask them what that means? Because <laughs> it's like such it's such a common term, isn't it? But like, and that'll yeah. probably mean that could mean different things with different people. So you just mentioned a bit there, but like when you say back to basics, what do you mean? 
I suppose it just just back back to basics, back to the old schools. It all sounds the same, and it's it's all such a wide term, isn't it? But you know, we're not a massively KPI driven kind of recruitment agency. But I suppose you know, back to those basics of you know, you're only going to get somewhere if you get that new piece of business and you send that CV, and that translates into an interview. And sometimes you need to just focus on those really simple metrics to to actually cut through the noise and achieve what you want to achieve. We, we use the phrase busy idiot a lot. So, you know, you're super busy and we don't doubt that you're working really hard. But when you actually delve into what you're doing, there's no wonder it's not translating into results. Sometimes you need to go you know, back to those basics. So I think that's what it means to me anyway. Good answer. And I like that. I think it's so in today's day and age, it's so easy for you to call me and go, Gabby, I'm busy. Mm. All right. Yeah. What, what do you mean? What do you mean yeah. by busy? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean so yeah so no I really like that and I think the sort of what I take from what you just shared is when you say that is like also in that which I think is interesting is everything that you just mentioned there is completely mm. in your control yeah do you know what I mean so it's like right what can I do it's in my control that I know I'm fully capable of that can help me feel like I'm making progress building momentum that I know can hopefully over time build up to getting back to where I was or whatever mm-hmm. um love that so I had to ask this question which your colleague sent me and then I'm going to ask you five quick questions. <laughs> okay. No, don't be. So this question was from Kelly Harvey. Okay. And yeah. she said, well, she got two questions actually, so I'm going to ask okay. you the first one. What would what would be the advice that you would give a younger Gabby? Ooh. So many in relation to your career <laughs> recruitment. What would you what would you yeah. what would you say to her? Um, like I was saying at the start, I would just say, just oh, sounds so cheesy, but just believe in yourself, look around and these people are no better than you. And, you know, it's, it's, I hate to make it about gender and it's not about gender, but I think because there wasn't really many women in the business at the time that were in those kind of strong leadership roles, that it's, it maybe felt less attainable. So maybe don't look for the role model, just be the role model, you know, you do it and then everyone else might follow. <laughs> Love that. Be the role model. And then the other question for an upfulness, which I think is a really interesting one. So I guess the context of this is like what you would do that you think will give you the best possible chance of achieving the goals that you want. So the question is, if you could commit more time to one element of your job that would give you the best possible chance of obviously achieving the goals you want to, what would it be? And she put building your team, building your brand, building your client base, like, what do you think? I know this is a combination of things, but I think that's an interesting yeah. question. It is an interesting one. Obviously, I, I'm inclined to say brand because it's something that I am passionate about and I do think it really works. So I, I would maybe say brand. And I think from building brand, I do think client base will follow. I do think that that, that goes hand in hand. So, you know, I, I wish I had a little bit more time now to, to be as creative as I was in the early days in terms of creating content, because I think that's something that I'm probably guilty of letting fall by the wayside a little bit as more and more stuff has come onto my plate. So just investing back into that would be great. Amazing. Right. So to finish, I've got mm. five sort of quick fire questions. Okay. Don't have to answer them in a, in a quick fashion. Just let <laughs> me know what comes up for you. Right. So first question if you could change the industry, what would you improve? I think change from within about the perception of the industry we're in. I think you see someone slate recruiters and instead of people defending them, you'll just see all the other recruiters saying, oh God, yeah, we are awful, but not me. 
Whereas I wish that we would just say, well, no, actually, this is a really good industry and it's worth billions of pounds and there's a reason it's here. So a bit more sense of community, which I know you're not going to get because we're all technically rivals, but, you know, defend the industry. Don't just say, well, I'm the exception. Yeah, you're right. They are all awful. I'd like to see a bit more of that. I love that. Question two, what book have you read that has had the biggest impact on you? See, I used to read so much when I was younger, but I've really lost it recently. So, or if you listen, listen audible. I don't know what mm-hmm. what have you read or done? Listened to something that's had a big impact on you? Do you know what? This is a totally off topic and rogue answer because it's not a book and it's not audio. That's okay. I actually watched the um, Tottenham Hotspurs thing on Amazon Prime. Oh my Prime god! Recently, oh, I, I love I those documentaries. Like Oh my God, I absolutely love that. And I actually, I really liked um, his management style. It was so different to what I thought it was because I think everyone perceives him as being, you know, really hard faced. But seeing how soft he actually is behind the scenes, I really like that. And it shows that you can still be a nice person and be a yeah. manager. No, I love you mentioning that. I honestly, yeah. I, I live for behind the scenes sport documentaries mm-hmm. because of the insight that you get. I, I think it's amazing. Um, that's fine. I know that question is very reliant on me, people reading. (laughs) So that's fine. Right. So next question is, if you could write a LinkedIn post Mm -hmm. that could be seen by every single recruitment consultant across the world, what would you want it to say? Oh, that is such a good question. I suppose it's quite similar to my first answer, but I would say maybe, you know, be proud of the sector that you work in and do it with integrity and that you're on a good path and don't let anyone knock you off that because everyone gives this industry so much stick. But, you know, for me personally, it's given me such a great life and, you know, the ability to buy a house at the age of 24. So, you know, just be proud of the industry that you're in and have your integrity. Amazing. Next question. What did you spend your first biggest commission paycheck on? Oh, that is such a good question. And (laughs) I had all these visions of all these great designer bags that I wanted to buy. And then the minute I actually had the money, I thought, oh, my God, I could never spend that money on a bag. (laughs) So I don't even think I did anything that rogue or interesting. I think most of my money and I think it probably will have done is gone towards a holiday I'd much rather spend it on a holiday than anything too materialistic yeah what what's what was like the bougiest holiday then that you spent it on have you been to like the Maldives or something like that been to Dubai that was pretty bougie um, and no. we went on a quite a long holiday to the Philippines as well that was an amazing nice. experience so yeah I've been to some great places awesome love that final question what is the ultimate goal your recruitment career oh this is a great question it's something that I think about a lot so to kind of decide you know it's hard sometimes in recruitment to plan ahead and think about the future but I definitely would say for me the plan is definitely to continue growing team testing to the point and we're not there yet where it is the, the same size and at the same kind of billing capacity as team development within searchability so really kind of prove to everyone that might have doubted it that you know testing is just as good as development <laughs> let's go let's go better love that yeah. <laughs> gabby it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so thank much thank you it's been great. Bye.
Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? And if you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.